Hey everyone, I'm Thanos Davelis, and welcome back to The Greek Current, a podcast by the Hellenic American Leadership Council and Kathy Merini, where we highlight the top stories of the day every afternoon with analysis from guest experts, policymakers, journalists, and health staff. European Union officials on Wednesday accused Belarus of state-sponsored trafficking of human lives by luring desperate migrants to the Polish border, the edge of the European Union, where many are now stuck in makeshift camps in freezing weather. The European Union is preparing to hit Belarus with fresh sanctions as early as Monday, and EU Commission President Ursula von der Leyen said earlier this week that the EU will explore how to sanction, including through blacklisting, third-country airlines that are active in human trafficking. One of the airlines Brussels is looking into due to its alleged role in trafficking migrants to Belarus is Turkish Airlines. Yanis Paleologos, Kathimerini's Brussels correspondent, joins the Greek Current to explain what is going on at the Poland-Belarus border and look at the European Union's response to this crisis. Yanni, welcome back on the Greek Current. Thank you, Fano. Great to be back. Yanni, currently, at least 2,000 migrants are camped in freezing temperatures at the Belarus border with Poland, unable to enter the country but not allowed to turn back. Part of a Belarusian scheme EU officials have termed a hybrid attack against the bloc. What's the scene at the Poland-Belarus border right now? So the scene, we're told, and I have to say I'm not in Poland, and even the journalists who are in Poland are not allowed to get very close to the actual you know, hotspots. They're not allowed by the Polish government. But tension has been building up for months and has gotten particularly acute this week. The Lukashenko regime is sort of being increasingly aggressive in its attempt to use the migrants to sort of to force the borders of the EU and to get them to enter EU territory this week, especially in Poland, but also in other countries like Lithuania. And that is in response to the series of sanctions that have been imposed on his regime by the EU, beginning with the stolen election of August 2020 and the subsequent crackdown against the protests against that stolen election. But of course, there have been many other chapters like what's been termed the state hijacking last May when a Belarusian dissident, the plane he was on was essentially diverted to Minsk and he was taken off the plane by the Belarusian authorities. It's been a period of growing tension between the EU and and Belarus uh, over the last year and a little bit. Poland has accused Belarus of quote-unquote terrorism and has also blamed Russian President Vladimir Putin for the crisis as well. The European Union has also accused Belarus's leader of provoking the crisis. Why is Lukashenko engaging in this hybrid attack, and you know what role is Russia playing here? What's the Russia angle? Well, the Russia angle, to start with that, is obviously you know hidden in the shadows, but it's certainly the case that the total breakdown of relations between the Belarusian regime and the EU, starting with what we just talked about last August of 2020, that has brought... Minsk much closer to Moscow and, you know, Vladimir Putin is essentially Mr. Lukashenko's only meaningful ally at this point. I'm not privy to, you know, what specific information the Polish prime minister has to say that the current tensions and the hybrid attack is orchestrated by Moscow, but, you know, certainly one wouldn't put it past the Russian president. Now, as regards the policy, the orchestration of migrant flows into the Baltic states and Poland, the claim of the Lukashenko regime is that this is a response to what they call the hybrid attack of the EU via sanctions. But of course, those sanctions did not come out of the blue. As we said, they came in response to what had happened in the summer of 2020 and various other things that have happened since then. 
Yanni, you retweeted a tweet by the Germany correspondent for the Wall Street Journal who had tweeted that Russia said the EU should be helping Belarus like it helps Turkey to stem the migration crisis. Is Belarus looking for a similar arrangement with the European Union? No, certainly not. I mean, these are very different situations. You know, Turkey is a country, you know, setting aside the episode of March 2020 at the border at Evros, where there was a similar attempt by Turkey to instrumentalize migration flows to put pressure on, on Greece and the EU. But aside from that, you know, Turkey is a country with a huge population of uh, migrants and refugees. And, you know, it is in the EU's interest that these people, for the most part, remain in Turkey instead of coming into the EU. And therefore, it made sense for an arrangement to be reached between the two sides, which included financial support to Turkey from Europe to support these refugee communities. And this financial support continues to this day. The situation in Belarus is very different. In Belarus, you have people who are sort of explicitly lured from a number of countries, especially in the Middle East, to Belarus because the opportunities dangled in front of them that they can sort of smoothly enter the EU from there, which is, of course, not true. But that's how they get there. It's not that there is a, a massive political crisis next to Belarus and these people are streaming in to escape with their lives from their countries into Belarus. They're being lured into Belarus specifically so that they can enter from there into Europe and create this kind of problem that we're seeing now very acutely in the, in the Polish-Belarusian border. What can you tell us about the migrants and refugees that are at the border? Where are they coming from? Because obviously it's not a neighboring country next to Belarus. So one of the countries that was a main country of origin earlier on, I think that has been, um, is no longer the case so much because there has been an intervention by the EU, including a visit by the foreign policy chief of the EU, Mr. Borrell, to that country. That country is Iraq. There was a great number of Iraqis entering into the EU via Belarus, but that flow, to my understanding, has been stemmed to some extent. I'm not really sure, to tell you the truth, what other countries are the main sources right now. But it's certainly not the case that they are countries in the immediate neighborhood of, of Belarus. Yanni, the EU has announced that it's preparing to hit Belarus with fresh sanctions. Can you talk about the broader European response to this crisis? You know, What steps is it prepared to take? So there's the expectation that in the meeting of foreign ministers next Monday, there will be a political decision for a broadening of the sanctions so it will hit new individuals that haven't been sanctioned before. We should mention here that already 166 officials of the Belarusian regime have been hit by sanctions over the last 15 months or so, and also 15 entities which are implicated in various of the kinds of misbehavior that the regime has engaged in. There is talk of tougher sanctions on the Belarusian airline, Belavia, and even on airlines that have leasing agreements with it. And there's also talk, I mean, the possibility is being explored of sanctioning airlines of third countries that have participated in the, in the transport of migrants to Minsk so as to facilitate the plans of Mr. Lukashenko. These airlines possibly include Turkish airlines as well. But this is not something that will be decided next Monday. This is something for later. It's a complicated thing to implement. Other than that, there is sort of an open disagreement at this point between the two heads of the most important European institutions. Charles Michel, who is the president of the European Council, is now sort of openly advocating EU funding for things like border fences and border walls in the outer borders of the EU, like the borders of Poland with Belarus. 
but the European Commission and Mrs. von der Leyen are insisting that this is not something that's possible. The European Commission previously was frustrated, at least in recent weeks, with Poland's refusal to request backup from the EU border agency Frontex. Can you talk about Frontex's role here? Frontex at this point has no role because the Polish government has not requested assistance from it. And, you know, this is another source of tension between Brussels and Warsaw. It's clearly the case that the presence of Frontex would add a layer of oversight in the way in which the Polish border guards are handling this admittedly very difficult situation. And it seems to be the case, as with the absence of the media from the scene, that the Polish government wants a free hand to handle matters as it sees fit, even if that you know, violates certain fundamental rights of the people trying to enter the country. Yanni, for Greece and Turkey observers, this ongoing crisis at the Poland-Belarus border has inevitably brought up comparisons with the Evros crisis in 2020 at Greece's northern border with Turkey, when the Erdogan yep. government transported migrants to the border to apply pressure on both Greece and the European Union. We've seen Turkey marked as one of the countries that's believed to be one of the main points of origin for flights landing in Minsk in Belarus. And you highlighted airlines like Turkish Airlines just now. Is this Mm -hmm. and Turkey's broader role when it comes to migration part of the discussion at the European level as they look at how to deal with the crisis at the Poland-Belarus border? So Turkey is not at the forefront of the discussion now. Obviously, you know, when there has been mention, as there was recently at the European Council, conclusions about the opposition to and the condemnation of practices of instrumentalizing migration. You know, this has been left without mentioning specific countries. Clearly, it refers both to Belarus and to Turkey. And certainly, you know, this is something that European authorities are watching very closely. And certainly countries that have borne the brunt of it now, like Poland, have a much greater understanding and more empathy with Greece and what it's been facing from the Turkish side in Evros but also on other occasions with uh, less ferocity. As we look at how debates over a common migration policy or European solidarity with frontline states has evolved over the years, Poland has traditionally not been supportive of measures frontline states like Greece have advocated for. Do you think this latest crisis at the Poland-Belarus border will result in a policy shift from frontline states, paving the way for movement on a common EU-wide policy on migration? Well, I have my doubts. This discussion has been going on for more than a year now in the the quarters of the EU about this supposed new pact on migration, which was proposed in September 2020 by the Commission. The main sticking point is about the extent of intra-EU solidarity with, you know, processing of asylum applications and relocation of people who have a right to asylum. And, you know, the opposing sides, the main opposing camps are the frontline states of the Mediterranean, like Greece, and the Visegrad countries, including Poland. So there hasn't been much movement at all on this issue over these last 14 months. Where there has been a greater convergence of opinion is that, you know, the EU needs more fortress Europe practices, more walls, more fences, more border guards to keep people out, whatever one thinks of that as a, as a long-term policy. And there was an expectation, certainly, in the Commission that if the numbers of people coming in go down sufficiently, then there might be a greater willingness from countries like Poland to take more people in, but that hasn't materialized yet. Yanni, thanks for joining us on The Greek Current with this update. Thank you, Thano. In other news, North Macedonia's Prime Minister, Zoran Zaev, who announced he would step down following his party's poor results in local elections last month, 
said he will stay on in the job until the political situation stabilizes. Zayev made the announcement late on November 9th, following a meeting of his Social Democratic Union's leadership after opposition parties led by the right-wing VMRO-DPMNE filed a no-confidence motion in the government. It was not clear how long his resignation would be postponed. The nationalist opposition has said that it and other opposition parties have secured the 61 votes in the legislature to bring down the government. While the Social Democratic Union insists it will try to hold on to the support of at least the 62 lawmakers. Finally, Cyprus said it will seek EU approval to stop processing asylum claims from migrants illegally entering the country. Government spokesman Marios Pelecanos said a surge of new migrant arrivals is fueling serious crime, taxing state coffers, and altering the country's demographics. Pelecanos said authorities would also press the European Union to relocate a number of asylum seekers living in Cyprus to other member states and strike agreements with third countries to take back their citizens who have had their asylum applications rejected. Pelecano said the migrant arrivals were up 38% this year compared to all of 2020. Of the 10,868 new arrivals, 9,270 illegally crossed a UN-controlled buffer zone from the occupied northern part of the island. That wraps up today's episode of The Greek Current. Thanks for tuning in.